Good morning. I will be honest with you, it is hard for me to believe that the end of the summer is almost here. Uh, this is, of course, our fifth uh, Sunday of July, and uh, it's, it's hard to process that this year has already gone by so quickly. Um, not completely over, we still do have a few more events coming up, both for our uh, K through 5th and 5th grade and below, and also for our teens, uh, but it has been an amazing summer. Uh, one, one additional plug that I want to make, um, we have something coming up that's it's very different, and it is for, uh, it's for our teens, it's called Secret Church. Uh, and I won't exactly go into the details uh, of all of that right now with you, uh, but it is in the bulletin on the youth page if you'd like to find out more about that. Uh, but I do want to go ahead and make this invitation. If there are any adults that would like to be a part of that experience, uh, I would absolutely love to talk to you more about ways that, that you can help with that. Uh, I will be honest, it is a, it's a late night thing, um, so if you have work the next morning, I completely understand if that's not something you'd be able to do. Uh, but if you are interested in that and, uh, and might would be available during that time uh, on Thursday evening, essentially, uh, I would love to get to talk to you more about, uh, about that. Um, it's definitely something that, that I'm very excited about, something that we've been planning for a little while, uh, and something that I think will be able to bless not just the teens, but all those that are able to attend with us. Uh, so again, want to want to uh, let you know about that. So about four weeks ago, uh, on the first, uh, first Sunday in July, uh, we talked about the, the curse of comparison, uh, and that was the lesson that I brought uh, to... Uh, brought that morning. And as we were going through it, one of the very first points that I made, and in fact, I'm actually going to go ahead and show you uh, this that, that, uh, that I'm going to talk about. I went ahead and made this first point four weeks ago. Uh, it's common for us to compare our lives to others. Now, we didn't actually talk about uh, this idea of comparing our lives to, to other people. We didn't talk about this, this, uh, this kind of comparison. Uh, because from there, we then started to talk about this idea of, of us trying to make comparisons between ourselves and our God. Of us trying to, uh, to do what we can to, to measure ourselves up to an immeasurable God. And so that's what we discussed several weeks ago. But when we discussed this one particular point, uh, it has continued to, to kind of come back to me. And I really wanted to, to talk about this side of it. So that's why I've entitled my lesson, uh, The Curse of Comparison, Part 2. Because I, I, even though we, we briefly discussed this, I wanted to come back to this point and kind of spend our, uh, spend our morning together looking at this idea. It's common to compare our lives to others. And I very quickly think back to, uh, back to a time when, when I was in middle school and I was a part of uh, my youth group. And there was a group of guys that, that all, they all dressed a certain way. And back when I was in middle school, the, the cool thing was to have, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't bell-bottom jeans, but it was the, the flared, kind of have the, the flared jeans. And you, you had to, what you had to do is you had to cut um, at least four or five inches. Um, you had to cut at least four or five inches off of uh, the side of the... Sorry, my, I think my mic just fell. All right, I think we're... I don't 
think it's going to stay. All right, we'll try that. Uh, so we had these jeans that we wore, the, the, the flared out jeans, and at the bottom you cut about four or five inches up the side, and you made sure that you bottomed the way they were too long, so they kind of fanned out on the ground. It was very strange. But, uh, but all these guys really wanted to, uh, they, they just did that, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and you always wore, you wore flip-flops with it, and uh, you wore a shirt from like American Eagle, and that was just what you did. And these guys did that, and I said, okay, I need to do that. And they were, of course, the older guys. They were the cool guys in the, in the youth group. And so I wanted to do that. And so, you know, the, the following, following Wednesday night after I saw them, I went in and I, I, I did that. And that's, that's what I wore for, for a little while. Um, but I, I saw those guys and I looked at myself and I said, you know, I, I want to be just like those guys. Uh, I want to make sure that I look and, and present myself the same way those guys did. And so that's what I did. Uh, and, I, and for a little while, I tried to be just like them. I tried to do everything I could to be just like them. And I really didn't even hang out around them. I didn't really spend any time around them. Um, they were way cooler than I was, so I, you know, I, I really wasn't around them that much. But as I learned more about them, as I got to, to be more around those guys, I learned that you know, maybe they, they dressed really cool. They, they acted the way that I wanted to act. Um, but the way they lived their lives was not the way that I needed to live mine. And I learned that pretty quickly. And I learned that maybe comparing myself to, to these guys isn't really the ideal thing to do. And after a while, it did take me a little while, I'll be honest, but after a while I managed to kind of uh, to get out of that and start to, uh, you know, kind of, kind of be the way that I wanted to be and not, not fit so much to this mold uh, that these guys had, had created. A lot of times, when we compare, when we compare ourselves, uh, our lives to the lives of others, it typically leads us to want things to be different. It usually, if, if you're making a comparison, if you're looking at someone's life and you're, you're comparing yours to theirs, usually what you will do is say, well, that's something that I want to be different. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can do that, and, and we'll get into those. But we can, we can easily see that anytime we, we compare ourselves to others, we usually want or have some kind of desire to do things, uh, to, uh, to act, to look, to, uh, to be different. We usually have this desire to, to make something different about ourselves after we make this comparison. Uh, Another way of looking at that, we realize that we're not as content with ourselves uh, as we were previously. We understand and we see that there are things that we want uh, to change. I think we can all uh, agree in our lives, uh, and before we kind of continue with this, just to kind of just want to set this and make sure that we all understand this, uh, I think this is something that we all agree on, something we, uh, we all understand. Uh, our goal in life, our uh, one of the main things that we are to do is, is to please God. That our lives are about pleasing God and doing what we're supposed to be doing for Him. I uh, just want to make sure that we understand that, that we set that bar as we continue on. Uh, we understand and we know that our aim is to please God. And we'll come back to this a little bit later. I want to go back to this idea of comparisons. There are... Uh, Obviously, there are more, uh, but there are four common comparisons that we make. 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these four different comparisons and we're going to kind of talk about these. We're going to look a lot at different scripture and just uh, talk about these, these comparisons. So the first comparison uh, that we commonly make uh, is comparing possessions. Uh, comparing possessions. If you remember uh, several weeks back when I did uh, the other uh, comparison sermon, part one, I guess, uh, I, I made that analogy or, or had that story about me and my little brother and how we would always say, uh, we would always make comparisons to this other family. There was this other family. I had a friend in that family. My little brother had a friend in that family. And we would always look at them and we would say, you know, Mom, look what they got. Look, uh, look what they have. Look what they own. Look what they're doing. And we would very commonly, we would look at their lives and we would say, Hey, Mom, they're doing this. We really want to do this too. Or we really want this too. And we would continue to make that comparison almost all the time uh, in regard to possessions. Uh, but, but we continue to, uh, to make that connection. We continue to make that comparison. A lot of times when we compare possessions between us and other people, we develop this I want mentality. Because uh, when we make that comparison, usually it's because there's something different. There's something different between me and that person. And I say, you know, they have something that I want. Uh, they have this possession, they own this thing, they are privileged in this way, and I want that. But as a result from that, we tend to become ungrateful. If you will turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's one of the many verses that we're going to look at this morning. And in here, uh, in this particular letter, Paul is writing to Timothy... And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. And he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Uh, I, I absolutely love uh, how this passage ends with saying, if we have food and clothing, we will be content. Uh, food and clothing is essentially all that we really need. Now, I think it's really easy for us to, to look at our lives and say, well, you know, I have a lot more than food and I have a lot more than clothing. Um, we tend to have a, a lot of things. But rather than allowing us to, to look at those things, we tend to focus elsewhere. I want to keep looking. Uh, let's look at another verse in Matthew chapter 19. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but when we d- discuss possessions, I tend to think about that, that rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. That guy that, uh, that we learn is talking to Jesus and, and he has, uh, you know, he's, he's followed the laws that, and, and the things that Jesus wants him to follow. He's followed the commands. And uh, as we keep reading... He says, you know, what, what do I lack at this point? So beginning in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Here we see the, the rich young ruler go away sorrowful uh, because he had great possessions. And why exactly is it so difficult? Uh, why is it easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle? Because these possessions uh, take over lives. Uh, they become the God of these people's lives. And just like with the rich young ruler, uh, we see his life and we see that those things, they controlled him. They were in complete control of his life. One more verse I'm going to look at in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12. And this is actually uh, Jesus himself that, that is speaking and saying this. Um, of course, Jesus was uh, speaking the, the last passage, but also in this one. Beginning with verse 32 of Luke chapter 12. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So here Jesus is telling uh, those who are, who are listening to him here uh, to sell your possessions and give to the needy. He even tells them to, to have, provide yourself with a money bag, but not an actual physical money bag with money inside of it. But he's talking about something that does not grow old with a treasure that is in heaven. I think a lot of times we get so wrapped up in, in the blessings that we have in this life that that's, we basically forget that that's what they are. We're so focused on the possessions that we own or the possessions that we don't have, that other people have, we get so wrapped up in that that we forget that all of those things are a blessing to us. And so a lot of times we, we get into the details of it. We, we compare our possessions. We compare everything that we own and we desire more. We desire uh, and have that I want mentality. The next thing I want to look at is comparing appearance. Comparing appearance. Uh, I think that when I say this, this will not be a shock to, to anyone but our culture today is very vain. Uh, we live in a very, a very vain culture where, where it's super important and it's very uh, high. It should be very high on your priorities list to look as good as you possibly can, to do everything that you can to have the, the best appearance possible. Uh, and, and of course, as you look through, uh, through the media and everything, all they do is tell you, you know, you need to buy this so you will uh, look this way. You need to look this way. You need to, uh, you know, your body type needs to be like this, um, which is beyond control even. But so many times we're told to, to look at our appearance, to make our appearance as perfect as we possibly can. And a lot of times in our lives, this creates insecurities. Uh, this allows us to feel like we are inadequate because we don't measure up to that perfect appearance, because we don't measure up perfectly to the, the most uh, attractive male and female that exist. And because we're not that person, we are inadequate. We, uh, we develop these, these insecurities because of that, because we're not just like that person that's, that's advertised right in front of us. I'm going to look at a few different verses here in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And here this is actually referring to 
uh, to women uh, specifically. Uh, this is what Peter is um, Peter is presenting here, uh, but he's talking about this imperishable beauty. And uh, First Peter chapter three, beginning with verse three, it says, "Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart." with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Rather than focusing on this, this outward appearance and focusing so much on, on making sure that you look your best outward, this is telling us that, that what really matters is focusing on the inside. What God looks at, uh, what God's sight focuses on, is this imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Uh, these things that are inside. Another verse that we look at is in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And this verse, uh, beginning with verse 15, uh, 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Here we see that the things that are pleasing to the eye are simply of the world. And as we continue to look at that, and, and there are several more verses we can continue to look at, the more that we read about this, the more we learn that the things of this world do not matter. Our appearance, as important as it may feel, as it may seem to us all the time, it really does not matter. And if we look back at it, and if we continue to focus so much on appearance, all we continue to do is, is create more of this insecurity, create more of this feeling of being inadequate because we're putting so much pressure on our physical appearance. We even see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, back in the Old Testament, uh, as the Lord was selecting David uh, to be the next king, as, as the next ruler, uh, we see him speaking to, to Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I think we focus so much on the outward that we forget entirely about the inward. And we forget that that's what God is looking at. And I think if, if, if you go back to this, uh, this rule that we discussed, this, this idea that our, our general goal in life, one of our, our biggest goals is to please God, then you can go back and ask yourself this question. Do we want to focus more on what other people look at or do we want to focus more on what God is looking at? And here we learn that God is focused on what is inside. He is focused on the heart. I want to keep going uh, to our next comparison. Uh, the next comparison uh, is comparing position. Comparing position. 
I, I will, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when I was at my previous job, uh, my last job I worked uh, at Faulkner University, I was an admissions counselor. Uh, and it's crazy to think that was, uh, that was, that was two years ago when I, when I uh, was working there, um, three, three to two years ago. Um, but while I was working there, I will be honest, I remember um, putting a, a lot of my efforts into looking for um, a, a ministry job. I remember uh, being there and doing my work, but then a lot of times saying, wow, I really don't, I don't want to be here. I kind of want to be somewhere else. I want to be somewhere else where I feel like I'm able to do, to do more. Uh, but in doing that, in, in looking for something else, uh, I was making comparisons with the, the job that I had then with the job that I, that I wanted. And, uh, and because of that, I ended up kind of overlooking a little bit of my work. I'm not saying that I was completely lazy and didn't do anything. Um, I, I did still do my work. Uh, but there were a lot of times where, where I just really was focused elsewhere. I wasn't able to put 100% into that job because I was so busy looking for what was going to come next in my life. I think a lot of times we, we neglect our own work. A lot of times there is a, a job to be done. And I kind of mean this in two different ways. Of course, uh, I'm talking about, uh, it could be your own personal profession, it could be uh, your school work, the things that you do at school, it could be your hobbies, uh, your activities that you do beyond work or school. Uh, but a lot of times we look at where we are in this and we compare it to where someone else is or where we, we could be. And I think when we do that, uh, we tend to neglect the work that, that we're doing. Uh, we, we overlook the job that, that we have to do. We overlook the task that is ahead of us. And we become disengaged. There is a parable that I want to look at real quick in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Uh, and this is, of course, the parable of the talents. Uh, this was one that, um, while we were at family camp, that me and... Uh, and some of our teens were helping out with that, but a lot of our K through fifth uh, came and, and we got to study about that. Um, and I absolutely loved getting to, to study uh, with, with them about this story. But here's a parable that, that Jesus presents, and uh, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this to you and kind of give you this idea. But it's found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. But essentially, this, uh, this man is going on a journey, this master is going on a journey. And uh, so he leaves these talents to these three men, uh, three of his servants. And so he leaves five talents with one, he leaves two talents with another, and he leaves one talent with the third. Uh, and a talent is, just so you know, worth a lot of money. Um, if you were to uh, kind of take that and convert it to today, and you were to say that maybe the wages of that time were equivalent to minimum wage now, it would be worth about a quarter of a million dollars. So it's a lot of money. But they're given this money and they're saying, all right, here are your five talents, here's your two talent, here's your one talent. And it also says that they were given these talents according to their ability. Uh, so they were given these talents and the master goes away and he returns and he goes to each one of these servants and the one with the five said, look, I, I went and I traded and I did all this stuff and I have five more talents for you. I've doubled your money. He says, well done, uh, good and faithful servant. Uh, so then he does the same thing with the two. Uh, the guy that has the two talents, he brings him two more talents. And he says, I've doubled your money as well. Uh, so he says the same thing uh, to that servant. 
The final guy comes forward with the one talent and he says, look, I, I buried it, so I still have it. Um, and then, but, you know, I, I know that you're very, uh, I know how you are with money and I wanted to be really careful with it, so, so I hid it. I buried it in the ground and, and here it is for you. Uh, but we see there that that's not what the master was looking for. The master wanted him to take this talent and to be able to, to multiply it, to be able to, to use what he was given and, and, re, and produce something good out of it. I think that this guy with the one talent, it doesn't actually tell us this, but I think it's very easy to see uh, in this story that this man looks at the guy with the five talents. He looks at the man with the two talents and he says, you know, I only have this, this one talent. I don't have the two talents. I don't have five. I, I, I wasn't interested with as much of this, so uh, you know, maybe I should just kind of play it safe. What this guy essentially does is he, he compares himself to what uh, these, other, these other two servants have been given. He allows this comparison of the talents uh, to, to have an end result of him uh, having a failure to produce, uh, to have any kind of profit. Uh, essentially what he says is that you know others, others can produce more. These other guys can produce more to me uh, than I can, so I won't be profitable. And I think a lot of times that's where we find ourselves. Uh, we are comparing our position. We're comparing where we are in correlation to other people in their life. And as a result of that, we tend to neglect our own work. We tend to say exactly as this guy with the one talent said. And we say, other people can produce more than I can. They can do more good than I can. And I won't be profitable, so I'm not going to make any profit from that. I'm not going to do with my life what God wants me to do with my life because other people can do more profitable things than me. And I think we tend to, uh, to make that comparison of our position in our life and we neglect our own work. The final one I want to look at is a little bit different. Uh, it's our comparing problems. Comparing problems. And when we tend to compare problems, we will either do one of two things. We'll, we'll look at this in one of two ways. Um, we will either say this. We'll either look at our problems and we'll lessen them and we'll look at someone else and we'll say, well, at least I'm not like that. At least I'm not having this problem. At least I'm not doing this like, like those people are. Or we'll look at it at the other extreme and we'll say, you know... These problems in my life are, are overwhelming and I am so messed up by all these things. There is nothing that I can do. Uh, I'm essentially in too deep. I'm overwhelmed by these problems in my life and there's nothing that I can do to get out of that. Uh, comparing our problems will lead to either this boasting or this guilt. I'm going to look at a couple verses real quick in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to go ahead and address this, this one side of the guilt. Uh, we face this, uh, we see this guilt. We, we hear uh, these ideas of, of being just so, so messed up, so, so deep into these problems in our lives. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them 
you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. We are able to escape these things, uh, these things of sin. We're able to, to get away from these things. Uh, no matter how great our problems may seem in comparison to the lives of others, we are able to, to overcome them. Um, a very important verse that, that comes with that is in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see, because of Christ, there is no condemnation. Uh, if we continue to live our lives through Him, we can be above those problems. We don't have to have that, that overwhelming guilt. On the other end of this, uh, the boasting. Very simple uh, answer to that, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Our boasting is, is not to be of, of us being uh, higher up than another person, of us having less problems than another. It is, to, uh, it is only to boast of what God has done for us. And rather than spending that effort, spending that time uh, looking at people and saying, well, I'm, I'm better off than this person. I have less problems than, than this person who's dealing with this. Instead, we should be directing our efforts to helping those who are worse off than we are. But a lot of times we allow this comparison of our problems to do one of two things. We either, uh, we either take control of that and allow it to exalt ourselves or we use it to, to condemn ourselves. We either say that we're totally in the right though we're doing wrong or we say that we're too far in the wrong to even do right again. I want to look back at the, the passages that, uh, that Matt read for us this morning. Uh, and that is in, uh, the first one is in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And it says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And this is Paul here that, that's speaking but he's asking that, that very important question. Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, this is our second passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Uh, this is, of course, Paul again uh, writing to the Corinthians. He tells them, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test? See, again, what, what I've talked about from the beginning, and I want us to go back to yet again, is that, uh, that we are to please God. Our aim is to be like Christ and to please God. We are not... Uh, aiming to please others, we're not aiming to please ourselves. And whenever we, we look to compare, 
We're looking at other people's lives and we're looking at our own lives and, and we're trying to find a way to please ourselves. And we're trying to find a way to please ourselves through the world. And what that essentially does is adds, uh, it allows us to simply add value to our worldly lives. Our worldly lives, which as we've talked about, don't really matter that much. Because what's really important is that we aim to please God, that we allow these comparisons to be put behind us, and that we focus on God. So when we examine ourselves, uh, just like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, when we examine ourselves, it's not to see if we measure up to other people. It's not to see if, uh, if our possessions, if the things that we own, the things we do and say, and uh, the way we appear, it's not to see if those things measure up to other people. What we are doing is to see whether we are in the faith. Whether we are doing things the way that God wants us to do. The way that Christ has set before us. Because this life, it's not about counting up and and getting a good idea of what we are lacking. It's not about looking at our possessions and seeing what we still want to own. It's not about our appearance and seeing uh, how we can better improve the way that we look. It's not about our position and seeing Uh, where we want to be rather than where we are at that point in time. And it's not about looking at our problems and and making some kind of assessment based off of the problems of other people. This life is about counting, it's not about counting up what we are lacking. Instead, it is about utilizing what we have been given. This life is about looking at the things that we've already been blessed with and utilizing those things and doing those things, uh, having them in our lives and using them to the best of our ability for Christ. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to end this sermon by simply saying, um, you know, I, I want you guys to stop making comparisons. I want all of us to just stop making comparisons. Uh, I don't want to just end the sermon by saying, you know, hey, don't do that. I believe that it is correct. I believe that's the way, um, I believe that is what God wants of us to, to not make these comparisons, not worry about these things. But instead, I want to say something a little bit different. What I want to say to you is that when God created you, He did not do it thoughtlessly. When God created you, He did not do it without having a, a purpose, without having a plan in mind for your life. And as you go throughout your life, as you face all these different things, as you're uh, challenged to look at the things in life like possessions, as you're forced to, uh, to look at your appearance quite often, as you're uh, you know, forced to, to look at your life and, and see other people's lives around you, God did not create us to worry about those things. What God created us for is to do everything we can to to praise Him, to show other people who He is. To tell people about Christ and what Christ has done for us. And no matter what, as long as you are still alive, you still have the opportunity to do exactly what God created you to do. That purpose that you were given from the very beginning, the reason that you were created, 
You are still perfectly capable of doing that. And regardless of what handicaps you feel like you've been given in your life, what difficulties you have to face in your life, you are still capable of doing that exact thing. You are still capable of doing what God has set before you and what God wants from your life. I know it's very easy for us to make comparisons. It is. I, I make comparisons all the time. I don't want to, but it's, it's hard not to. But what we have to understand is that life is not about looking at these comparisons. Life is not about us looking at what other people are given. It's about focusing on the eternal life that God and Jesus Christ have given us. So my final question for you, what comparisons are holding you back? What comparisons are, are keeping you, are, are stopping you from being able to, to go forth and do exactly what it is that Christ, that what our God really wants you to be doing with your life? What is holding you back? It is possible that that you are here and you, and you understand that there are some comparisons that you have made in life and they have taken control of you. It is also possible that, uh, that maybe you are here and you are not yet a, a part of the church. And you have that desire to, to be made a part of the family of Christ, that you, want to, uh, that you want to put Him on in baptism, that you would like to be a child of His. Um, I believe that, that He wants us to look past these comparisons and I think that's exactly what we are capable of doing if we allow Him to take control and if we follow Him. If there is anything uh, that we can do for you this morning, whether it be for prayers or encouragement, uh, for anything that you might need, we ask that you come for now as we stand.